Hey, Susanna. Hey, David. How you doing? I'm doing great. There's like a little crispy autumn chill in the air today, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing a scarf that feels... <laughs> I mean, I love the summer, don't get me wrong, but there's something about autumnal energy that just gets me pumped up. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I'm more and more energized by this mm-hmm. weather. Like summer, while amazing, kind of like draws energy out of me. The fall is like... It's my time to shine. Yes. Yeah. Feels really good. Yes. Super cool. Super crisp. What's going on in your house? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm actually really excited because the Suncommon crew just left. Like I came over here minutes after they left installing a new EV fast charger at my home. That's house. awesome. Yeah. We're getting an electric vehicle. Um, but ahead of that, I wanted to make sure that we could charge it at home. And it's like the cool, it's like the coolest thing ever. I know I'm literally just looking at a box with like a cable. Of, like, yeah. What's so it. cool about that is like the, a plug. It's the potential. Honestly, it's the potential. Like me personally, like thinking about the next few years, like after I go solar and get an electric vehicle from, from some common, like I'll be able to drive a company vehicle, which is cool. But like, I'm, I've got my eye on like not next year or the year after, but like the promise of all these new um, electric pickup trucks that have been mm-hmm. um, released because a lot of them actually are going to start to be built with the capability to basically act as a whole home battery as well. Right. And so like in my like plan like how to be efficient with like, you know, every investment that I put back into my home, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe like this is really cool because like I can wait on installing storage and maybe just get the right vehicle and then create this beautiful feedback loop where like it's plugged into my solar system on my roof, constantly topping up the battery. And then, oh, if the power goes out, boom, I can just cut over to my car battery. I know I'm in the Kool-Aid right now because literally <laughs> all I'm doing is like, I'm on like EV enthusiast sites. Stop. I'm like trying to like catch up on like the last 10 years oh plus of like all this cool stuff that's been happening around me that like, of course, as a born and raised New Yorker, like I never was, I ne- never owned a car. You know what I mean? But right. also just I this culture. It's so cool. And then like, yeah, just thinking about how eventually like my car could be my backup battery is just, a, I don't know. I'm just overwhelmed with how cool all this stuff is. Well, welcome to the car nerd fold. Yes, right. It's nice to see you here. I do believe I was making fun of you for your biodiesel club you last were. episode. And you now were. I want to start an EV mm-hmm. club. Yeah. Well, when you get on the... VW biodiesel forum hmm. bulletin board online. Let me know what your handle is. Oh, do so they run deep? You. They run deep. I'm sure the conversation must be so like above and beyond. Obviously above my knowledge <laughs> grade. Anything you ever want to troubleshoot on your TDI is available online. Check. So now I just need to get a TDI. I guess. <laughs> sounds like a medical no, no, condition. No, go EV. Go EV. Even know. Yeah, I'm going EV. I'm For going sure. EV. I'm super stoked about um, the Ford Mach E. Yeah. Yes. It's like Ford. I saw a little um, preview of that in a uh, like a YouTube review that was comparing it to the new VW mm-hmm. SUV. I think it's like called the ID4. Yes, I just started started seeing like mm-hmm. you know reports about that too, which looks cool too. But they were kind of positioning the Volkswagen as if you've never been in an EV, it feels so much like a regular, like a, an ICE vehicle, an internal internal combustion engine ICE, vehicle, internal that combustion. that's like a good kind of like step. Okay. But if you're really more into like the really cool technology that comes with EVs, like some of the pedalless driving and stuff like that, that the Ford Mach-E is really the way to go. Nice. So I'm super stoked to see that. I think we actually might get a chance to see it at our upcoming Sun Carnival, which oh, is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an event that Sun Common does every year, bringing together EV car owners and the dealers and a really fun carnival vibe. 
It's going to be at the South Burlington Hannaford on uh, Saturday, September 25th. So as long as COVID kind of stays in check, yep. we're going to be able to give people rides in the cars. You can check them out. So I'm super stoked about oh, getting to so see some cool. like hands-on, like go to see some models and talk to owners. And yeah. Stuff. And I've been hearing like car dealerships are like barren right now. So even like having these cars available for people to check out is such a cool, like additional reason to come check out a fun event. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm um, stoked. We also have, I think as a brand, like we've been, Suncommon has been so focused on electric vehicles even though we're not, it's not our business, right? Like I think we're, it's in our like world, it's in our universe of how we show up to, you know, the electrification of, of America, of our, of our states, of course, in New York and Vermont. Our friend Jake in our Some Common Advocacy and Activism program, a couple of years ago started up the uh, EV pledge where individuals or business can like pledge that the next vehicle they're going to purchase is electric. We ourselves as Sun Common have taken that pledge yes. um, and are on the path, I think shortly after the end of this year, I believe to start really turning over. I know we've placed a bunch of pre-orders for those Ford F-150s to start replacing the larger vehicles that are still ICE, but like... Well, that's what your new EV is, right? Like yeah, your yeah. Prius is coming off lease, so you're going to get an EV to replace Exactly. That. No, they awesome. like, it was so cool. They like let me know that that was just... I was like, that's so cool. I'm getting like an EV and then the charger and all that stuff. So it was just like, it's just in the air. And I also see like, I mean, maybe this is more my algorithm now that I've been searching for EV stuff, but I feel like it's just like everywhere, you know? And obviously the theme for this uh, episode is going to be centered on electric vehicles, but more specifically chargers. But I just feel like there's this, it's this moment. You know, EVs are having this moment, yes. you know, with Biden's infrastructure plan coming over the top and, you know, potentially putting a lot of money towards it. As some common, we keep on thinking about our role in the transition of, you know, moving, you know, New York and Vermont into a renewable posture when it comes to electrifying the grid. And, you know, the whole country seems to be sprinting towards this electrification movement. Yes. And, you know, and even though the government and the public seem to be really, you know, steering us towards an all electric future with EVs included, there's going to be a few bumps in the road. Uh, are you, wait, steering us towards an electric future with bumps in the road? Are you trying to, I feel like you're trying to make a dad joke out of this, but it's like, it's actually just kind of wordplay. You know like, what? This is the this is the evolution of our dumb dad joke intros. Is you know what, Tavi? If you're gonna try and do dumb EV dad jokes, you're really just gonna have to put your foot down and win the race on this. You're you need to like really work on that, Susan. <laughs> if that was all, oh my god! I love how genuine you were too. That no, was... I'm just saying if you if you want to put a joke here, you're gonna have to do better. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. <laughs> Actually, let, let me just be clear. I, I want to, EVs are really cool and we should do another episode just on yes. electric vehicles. Yes. But I actually want to talk about chargers, okay. um, which are really an integral component of making the next few years this moment when uh, we can finally convert the majority of America's internal combustion engines or vehicles into electric vehicles. It's true. It's true. And I mean, even now, even with EV technology being a little on the newer side, there's still an amazing step up from ICE vehicles. And that's, you might hear us saying that throughout the podcast. ICE just stands for internal combustion engine. It's just like a gasoline or diesel powered car. A gas guzzler. Yes. <laughs> um, so even though EVs are a great step up from ICE vehicles in almost every way, like they're cheaper, it's a better ride, they handle better, they're better in snow, they're just cooler cars, period. Mm -hmm. Except that there aren't as many EV charging stations as there are gas stations. Yes. And that makes people nervous, of course. You get range anxiety is yeah. what it's called. Um, you know, just practically, 
it makes it kind of hard to go long distances in an EV. It's not a big deal for your grocery store trips because you can easily charge that up at home or at work. But if you're going to go those longer distances, two, 300 miles, it becomes a little logistically tricky. Yeah, totally. And I want to actually like, let's put a pin in the concepts of like the um, EVs being like way qualitatively better than ICE vehicles in many ways. Because I think we're going to get back to that as a theme or a tactic that uh, came up. But, you know, this week we're going to talk about an article. We'll post the link uh, in the description that uses California as a case study that exposes some of the equity challenges that America will face in its rush to decarbonize America's roads and highways. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So California is the state with the most EVs in America. And as a state, they've spent more than $2 billion in a variety of ways, pouring them sort of into EV incentive programs uh, over the last years, which includes you know, policies to promote equity in distribution of chargers. As well, the state generated more than $25 billion worth of essentially carbon credits in a credit trading program since 2012. And a portion of those credits are going towards EV and charging projects. So despite all of this funding and all of these credits, California currently has less than 40% of the charging infrastructure needed to support projected EV growth by 2025. And this is according to a charging gap study by the International Council on Clean Transportation. So a separate study by Humboldt State University found that lower income areas in largely Black and Hispanic California neighborhoods continue to be significantly less likely to have access to public chargers. Hmm. Okay, so California is putting a ton of money behind this. They're creating incentives. Feels like they're doing the right things, and yet that money and that access isn't being distributed equally. It's piling up in certain communities and is absent from others. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) Money doesn't buy equity I mean, what else is new in America? This is an age-old problem, right? <laughs> right, thank, yeah. Thank you, patriarchy. Thank you, white supremacy. Thank you, capitalism. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's kind of a continuance of that. And just like corporate greenwashing, which we've been talking about in a number of our previous episodes, just like corporate greenwashing, you know, throwing money or credits in this case behind a message or a mission doesn't just like magically make it come true. The grist of it is like how that money is distributed and making sure that there are checks and balances to make sure it's equitably distributed. There's a couple of reasons that these studies have found that it's been so challenging for California to install EV chargers in these underserved communities. So one is EV adoption. Like basically, will people within those communities that we're trying to reach buy an EV that needs to be charged? And the other factor is that public EV chargers need to be very frequently used to post a profit. So, you know, let's let's sort of get into those two areas. Let's break it down. Okay, so on the one hand, we've got adoption. Let's get everybody in an EV, which of course means providing economic or tax incentives to get more people in every sector of the economy to consider purchasing an EV as their next car because they're expensive. It's really hard for most people to buy them outright especially if you want to buy a brand new car. Many, many people don't buy brand new cars. So what's the incentive? And what else? Well, you and I, we're marketers, right? We can look to the history of government-led messaging to our citizens. I mean, the government actually have 
a pretty big influence with their campaigns. Like, do you remember the We Can Do It? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. classic World War II Rosie the Riveter style, yeah, like, we can do it. Exactly. I mean, that, that was a poster encouraging women to take up men's jobs to keep the country running. Super iconic, totally. super influential. Hell yeah, women rose to that occasion. Never mind that they were forced out of their jobs at the end of the war. I digress. <laughs> right, of course. Back to the patriarchy. Yes. Um, but what messaging are Americans getting about EVs and using clean energy now? And, you know, what could the government be pumping that up? I mean, there are definitely some really clear messages we could be sending about this. Mm -hmm. EVs have lower operating costs than their gas-powered counterparts. Um, according to analysis by Consumer Reports, owning an EV will save the typical driver six to $10,000 over the life of the vehicle compared to owning a, an ICE vehicle. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money you could save. Yes. Plus now there are actually a lot of used EVs out there, mm. you know, secondhand ones that are on their second or third year of life. Yep. There's only going to be more and more of those every year as the new ones are sold and early adopters opt into getting the latest models. Right, right. Good call. Totally. So along with lower maintenance costs and general just longer life of an EV vehicle, there's, you know, there's a real value-based message that the government could be sending to communities everywhere to try and move the needle on EV adoption. And I mean, that doesn't even start to touch the like, save the planet, do oh, yeah. it for climate change, like any of those kinds of messages. Yeah, we, I mean, we look at these communities and there could be some really great like local messaging about how that global climate crisis does come to bear largely in these communities. When you think about air quality, when you think about the distribution distribution of like where waste ends up, you know, mm -hmm. where, where crude power comes from. A lot of these plants and processing facilities are in these communities. And obviously like, you know, it's a drop in that bucket to say buying an EV is going to make the difference. But I think when coupled with actual like dollar value messaging and then higher minded value messaging, it's actually quite compelling. When I learned first, we have a, we share a mutual gearhead friend in our friend Adam who lives up in Germantown. And yep. Adam's been like an EV enthusiast for years. And he actually broke it down for me, he, you know, popped the hood of his electric vehicle versus the, his ICE engine, his ICE engine vehicle. He's like, yeah, here's some parts that just don't even need to exist in right. this engine, in this electric vehicle. It's like, kind of comparing like a solid state drive to something that has a lot of parts, there's just less maintenance. Like yeah. I'm not taking it to the shop. And as I sit, you know, in my own home, in my own life with an inherited gas guzzling SUV, my dad was wonderful enough to give us when we moved up here, you know, it's on the end of its life and it's costing thousands of dollars to yeah. keep on the road. And I just keep looking at it. And I'm like, of course, as soon as I can convert over, I will. But yeah, to like not have that maintenance money is great. I mean, and look, you were talking about how like, uh, you know, a government, you know, messaging program can can kind of move needles. I, I, I actually really agree with you there. And I think it's it's on the government to use whatever the appropriate channels of communication might be for those communities. You brought up the We Can Do It poster. Yes, certainly like an out of home campaign with billboards will do it. We also have SMS. These are yeah. messages that could lead to smart sites that people are already, you know, spending a lot of their time and their life on their phones. We need to like look at this beyond just an old school mentality of messaging. We need to use the platforms that people are on. And especially in this sort of post-COVID posture, these are tools that the government are using already for critical information to get out about contact tracing, etc. So like we, we have the informational infrastructure to do this. And like maybe the government needs, you know, an EV TikTok channel. I'm, am I just, am I being choogy? I'm being too choogy. I'm a choog. Here's, here's the choog, choog. I'm a choogy. Oh my gosh. Um, 
yeah, we're not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> the best insult is like not even giving my TikTok joke a word. You're just like, moving on. Here we go. Uh, no, but I do think there is, like there is something there just about informing people and making them more comfortable with new technology Especially because I think EVs are, in the public's mind's eye, they're seen as being really expensive right now because Tesla was the birthplace of so much of the excitement about EVs. And Teslas were really expensive on day one. It was like six figures for a car. I can't afford that. You know? So I think there is some just better familiarization that we need to do so that everyone knows actually EVs are pretty accessible and like I don't buy a new car like we don't buy new cars in my family right I'm super stoked for used cars and uh, I'm super stoked for like you know the wave of used EVs that are coming and I'm hopeful that there's going to be enough I don't know if it's policies or regulation but just to ensure that the the used vehicles like the second generation vehicles that they are really great cars mm, yes you know that it's like we're creating a great secondhand EV yeah. market. Um, so that all the benefits of EVs, like all of that low maintenance costs, like all those things are being passed on to the second and third and fourth owners. Exactly. You exactly. know what I mean? So they're like, we're creating a positive, safe, great like environment. Value cycle. Exactly. Like life cycle of these vehicles as they change hands. I love that. That's exactly. really good. And just to summarize, like what we're basically saying here for this first chunk is like, you know, the Biden administration has outlined about $7.5 billion in infrastructure plan to just charging infrastructure. And what we're saying and what this, you know, sort of summarizing what this article is saying and as we kind of expand upon it is like, we should also consider that a separate budget or a chunk of budget or an additional budget, whatever, should be committed to something of a messaging campaign, a government messaging campaign to promote the sale or resale, as you're smartly suggesting, uh, of electric vehicles based on their dollar value value, their car value value, and the higher minded value. That's not, it's not a heavy spend, you know, a national web like a website with information text message campaign out of home advertising like this is stuff that the government can certainly afford to do on top of the 7.5 billion that they've recommended and the sort of next step the other part of the problem in terms of the equity of, of charging in, in public charging places in america is it's a thing called utilization rates like, um, utilization hold on let me just adjust my nerd glasses are you push them i feel up. like those are my glasses Util- did you get those for yeah me? those are your glasses like, did, are you being the nerd right I'm now gonna, no, i'm going to nerd mic back off to you this but basically weird. look a charger that isn't used heavily will not recoup costs and that's sense. yeah exactly that's just going to continue to discourage private for-profit companies that build and maintain these stations to install them in these underserved communities where they can't see a clear path to profit immediately. If the community doesn't have a preponderance of EV vehicle ownership, and if those communities aren't getting a lot of drive-through traffic, let's say, from non-community members, then where's the profit? So that's the shorthand of utilization rates. Right. So it's like low adoption equals low usage. Right. Exactly. Of a charger. Like low adoption and low traffic, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, okay. So, of course, government grants and incentives need to be focused on serving these communities for adoption, for the marketing, like you're saying, for for the charging infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But I just, I keep wondering what else. Like, it doesn't seem like that's the whole solution. Like, what... 
I just keep thinking like, what about local utility companies, yes. you know? Yes. If you think about the grids, the networks, they already maintain that. Wouldn't it make sense for the government or, you know, somebody to further incentivize the utilities and mm -hmm. they're, you know, I mean, they're already struggling to power their grids with renewable <laughs> energy. So like, is there a way to incentivize them to do that, to, to get ahead with the charging infrastructure? I mean, if nothing else, to just like stay relevant in yeah. the public's eye I in this, this changing world. The return of utility sympathy right here. This is great. No, they need all the help <laughs> they can get. But like, what if that's a part of it, right? Yeah. Like, they already have that infrastructure. They can kind of be the be the vehicle oh gosh the puns be the like the channel for getting things <laughs> forget it like they're already like a utility serves every community right, right. Like, almost every community they're, so they're in already every there. community yeah. and indeed the article that we linked to states that this is a quote quote the investor-owned utilities have approved three billion in ev charging infrastructure investments in recent years okay according to the edison electric institute dominated by entities in california and new york a quarter of those funds has been allocated to disadvantaged communities and equity-based funding programs are expected to accelerate in the coming years. So, unquote. It feels like that is that is one potential tactic that really could find purchase. There's some traction behind it already in California and New York. Um, and, yeah, I think that's definitely another thing that we can kind of try to, you know, keep on pushing and keep on making sure there's a, a strong connection as the utilities try to, to green up their sources of power uh, and then serve these underserved communities with charging stations. Yeah. Well... And, you know, I mean, as we're thinking, you know, as we're thinking and talking about this, it, um, it's just reminding me that I feel like most people are actually going to be doing their charging at home and at work. Like, it makes a ton of sense to have your, you know, your recharging capability, however much electricity you need, built into the sizing of your home PV <laughs> system or your business PV system so that... The majority of the time, if you're plugging in at home, you're plugging in your business, like your EV is being charged by your solar system, clean energy. That's great. So to me, that's kind of that's kind of the most exciting model. I don't ever have to go to a gas station. I don't have to go to a charging station. I'm literally making my own fuel at home. I mean, I don't know. Am I just being like too homegrown American <laughs> right now? Or is that actually like kind of inspiring? The idea of being independent, no more dependence on foreign oil. I literally create my own car fuel at home on my house with my solar. I never have to go to the gas station again. I just think it's so, so cool. But then like for longer trips, I'm definitely going to need that kind of charging infrastructure, those stations you're talking about. It's like, we have to build those. We're going to go on road trips. There are incentives and subsidies, but what else? Like, is there anything else? Like, how do we get these things built and sustaining? Okay, when you just said homegrown American and you just said road trip, a thought occurred to me, and this is like well beyond the stuff that was written in the articles that we've linked to, but it kind of just, an idea that's occurring to me is like, I'm reminded that like not all underserved communities look the same or are located in the same place. So like my right. brain always goes to like urban areas because that's where I grew up. You know, and I've lived in Spanish Harlem for many years. I, that's like one of my pictures for like, you know, in my mind of an underserved, underserved community. But now living here in Hudson Valley, I see there's just as many underserved communities that do not look like the ones that I grew up in or near. And then when you said like, you know, homegrown American and road trip, I kind of think like, I don't know, there's this, it's starting to have this idea that, and maybe we should unpack it in a separate episode. Right, let me just pitch you. What if this kind of exciting national moment that we're having, this transition to EV vehicles, what if it kind of like is a part of ushering in a new golden age of, this is going to sound 
corny, but like, what if this was like the go like a new golden age of like roadside attractions? Everything I'm learning about, you know, like world's largest ball of twine. Right. Like what? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, and, and, and stick with me just for a okay, second. Okay, keep talking. Like, you know, like, and this could be crazy, of course, but like, I'd rather be in a solutions posture than a doom and gloom posture. If not all underserved communities look the same, and some of them are stratified, they, you know, they're all connected by roads at the very least. And if indeed, even with a fast charge, you know, your Tesla, your whatever vehicle you're driving is going to take about, you know, 20 minutes to 40 minutes to charge, even a fast charging modality, you're going to, you're going to be in a place that you need to stick around in. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, when the highway and the road systems were kind of like coming up in America, there was just this whole secondary, you know, industry of drive-in movie theaters, diners. I'm thinking like roller skating waiters, like unique community-based curios, like your ball of twine and like the weird, <laughs> like come see the one-eyed cat. I don't know, but could this be another of those moments? It's something that is deep in this American myth, this American culture that we've had. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I immediately, my mind immediately went to that I think I paid a dollar once to see the world's smallest horse at the Dutchess yeah. County Fair. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> like it happened. That sounds like it really happened. It did. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the world's smallest horse, but, but you, it, they it got a pretty, dollar out of you. Pretty darn cute. <laughs> um, and it was a great way to spend five minutes of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even, even before kind of the golden age of road trips that you're kind of referencing, I mean, that happened with many other modes of transportation. Like here in the Hudson Valley, in the 19th century, steamships mm -hmm. were new and exciting and would come up from New York City and drop you off at the Kingston Park oh my where you could spend a day. Yeah. You know, so it's like that that model certainly exists of like, come here for some period of time, hang out, have fun, and then get back on your transportation and go on your way. And also, isn't there like a solar powered, you know, ship in Kingston now? There or is, yeah. Right? yeah. The uh, Maritime Museum has a solar powered boat called the Solaris. That's amazing. Very cool. That's amazing. So let's keep on electrifying. I, yeah. I don't know. And maybe this is just me like seeing the world through post COVID lockdown eyes, but I for one would love to take my family on like a net zero road trip across America. I'd love to like stop every, you know, couple hundred miles stretch our legs, check out the sort of unique local offerings of businesses, parks, restaurants, whatever other kind of existing businesses are already peppering the American roadways. I want to like connect with people again, you know, and I'm, I've been glued to a screen. And so like, if there's ways to do this as a part of a trip and like, honestly, traveling by air is one of the worst polluting things that you can do as an individual. Right now, a long, considered, deliberately slow road trip honestly kind of sounds sublime yeah hard agree do not even get me started on the terrible customer experience that flying is <laughs> covid or no covid it's just i mean the convenience of flying is amazing sure sure so helpful when truly necessary but if there was a viable alternative for just like plain old fun travel right that would be so nice right and especially if it so okay let's make this real right like if, if we were saying that on top of the 7.5 billion that's being allotted to just building a charging infrastructure and we're saying maybe another aspect of it is ev adoption so yeah maybe the government should spend some on like messaging and information campaigns perhaps another one is to use a completely different part of the government to like maybe maybe there's some sort of like a side fund 
that comes from like the US Small Business Administration to specifically target small businesses located in these underserved communities around the country and grant them the funds or a tax incentive or even just like build an EV charger into their business property free of charge if we can afford it um, with the intention of not only stimulating EV adoption and charger use, but also to support the very businesses that make these communities unique and special. I don't know, man. It just feels like that could be just another chunk of change that we roll into a budget, you know, reconciliation posture, like the thing that happens after the infrastructure bill. And I don't know. I mean, if anyone's going to sell drive-in diners and doo-wop poodle skirts, it's going to be a guy Joe Biden's age, right? What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, we are bringing back the drive-in, and Joe Biden's going to be like, I was there when the first ones were there in Delaware, and I don't even know. I can't do a Joe Go Biden. Go into the chapel and we're going <laughs> yeah, okay. to charge our EVs. Okay, okay. Well, that was <laughs> legitimately our first musical number. A week after talking about the knife, I expected a little more sin. You're welcome. But there we You're are. Welcome. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like it's like, to me, my my eternal optimist gets creative, right? And I start to think about, what is it? Mark Twain said, history does not repeat itself, but it rhymes. So what if like, what if this is the next evolution? I mean, it's, it's the passage of a huge infrastructure bill. The last time we were doing stuff like this was about building roads and highways and all of these structures. So like, let's return to that energy and that creativity. Let's get back on the road in a carbon neutral way and let's see each other again. Let's like have fun experiences that like allow us to reconnect with what makes, oh man, what makes America cool. Yeah, no, I think I love it. I love it. I think it's a great opportunity. And uh, like you're saying, uh, it would be so cool to just reinvigorate that idea of the road trip and how you spend your time and build in long breaks to really see the places that you're traveling through. And it's brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, the big takeaway, though, the thing that, you know, if anyone from the, if anyone from the Biden administration is listening, yeah. look, it ain't enough to just toss $7.5 billion at a vague promise towards creating charging infrastructure. Because we know from the short history of charging infrastructure in America, what that's going to mean is the communities that already have enough will get more. And the communities that do not have enough access to these incredible innovations will not be first in line to get those systems installed. So there have to be complementary systems of education, marketing, for lack of a better word, getting people to buy EVs and understand their value, and there need to be ways to stimulate the actual use of public chargers, not just charging at home or at the office. And so, you know, with a little bit of creativity, you know, with a little bit of, uh, what's it like a 19th, a little bit of gumption. I'm trying to be like 1950s. I'm trying to bring back the poodle skirt. We could potentially stimulate not just the growth of EV charger use, but maybe also just the larger economy. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I'll throw in another plug for the Sun Carnival. If you listen to this and were excited about checking out EVs yourself, uh, if you are in the Burlington area on Saturday, September 25th in the South Burlington Hannaford's parking lot, we're going to be hosting our annual Sun Carnival where you can come out, have some free treats on us, chat with EV car owners, maybe even take a ride, look in the uh, the frunk. That's the no, front that's trunk, right? Find right? out what a frunk is. I'm learning all these wild new words. Yeah, come check it out. Come have fun with us because these they they really are cool cars. They are, um, you know, 
what the future is driving towards. Oh my gosh, as your you would pun say. game is nonstop. I love it. This is how you feel, right? When I'm just punning mm-hmm. so hard. Well, that yeah. was really great. I can't outro any better than that. Susanna, it's always a pleasure. Indeed, Tevi, indeed. And for all y'all out there uh, checking out The Solar Spill, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. We do everything from hot takes and deep analysis of the intersections of climate and things that we <laughs> really should not be talking about. And it's lots great. of dad puns. Lots of dad puns and mom puns. Mm. Your game is strong. And mm. if you're interested in going solar with your home or business, of, of course, check us out. We're SunCommon. We serve the Hudson Valley and the capital districts of New York and all of Vermont. You can find us at suncommon.com. See you next time, Tavit. See you next time, Susanna. Thank you.